Butch, if we're going to start a podcast talking about finding common ground, we probably should uh, put the finding part of that name into motion. And that's definitely action. And I think at times it, it it's important to stop and ask, you know, have you found any common ground lately? Yeah, it's one thing to talk about it. I agree. It's one thing to do it. I found myself in a unique situation this past week. Okay. Where there were a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds, pro- professions, life experiences, maybe even beliefs, if you would go so far. But we didn't discuss that because right. we were there to talk about a potential uh, city school district tax levy. Okay. So something that could be a little bit, uh, you know, hotly debated, as you can imagine. Absolutely. We just recently talked politics. So, you know, we've been kind of hitting on that topic recently. Um, And during that meeting, you know, everyone provided their opinions and their feedback on how, you know, do we need a tax levy? How would, if we, if we do have one, how does it go about? How do we market it and all of this? And, um, as everyone was sharing, I was kind of thinking, you know, what's a good icebreaker to kind of break yeah. break this little tension that seems to kind of be building in the room. You know, anytime you're talking about opinions, oh yeah, you know, the air seems to warm up a little yeah. bit. So I just blurted out the first thing that came to my mind when it was my turn to speak. And I said, I find myself to be the most selfish person I know. And everybody just lost it. They thought that was hilarious. And I had never really... I had never really thought about that until I said it in that moment. Yeah. And, you know, we all had a good laugh, but we kind of all, by laughing about it, we acknowledged that, yeah, we're all here at this table because we have personal interests at right, stake. Right. That we want to make sure that we're protecting and that we're encouraging and, and that absolutely. we see moving forward. But it was so cool to walk away from that meeting to be like, wow, something that, you know, you would usually say, I need to get rid of all my selfish tendencies. When you boil it down, not to play philosopher, but I would just make the argument that that helped us find common ground. Yeah, good. You know, these, these concerns about our kiddos. But what about you, Butch? How, what, what common ground did you find? Well, I, I, I went to the barber this past week. I, you know, my hair is pretty easy to cut, zip, 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 and <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. it's done. And uh, I think my barber kind of likes it because I'm in the chair about 15, 20 minutes. And, but we, my, I go to a barbershop here in town, uh, uh, the Global Grind uh, Barbershop. Okay. And um, my barber is Charlie Lynch, and I'll give Charlie a shout out on that. Uh, I've been going there probably about four or five months. And Charlie and I talk a lot of sports. He's a big Browns fan. So with the Super Bowl, uh, had, you know, coming up or it was coming up, it's past now. Um, we were talking uh, sports and we're B's a big Browns fan. I'm a Browns fan. So that's typically where we land. Sure. But I noticed his partner, Dion, was not in the uh, had been there the last couple of times that I've been in there. And he's a he's a neat guy and and always talk. We we converse as well but i asked charlie i said where's your partner and he said well he's got uh, you know sickness in the family well i'd heard about six weeks ago that dion's dad has lung cancer Mm. and i guess it just uh, went you know it's been quick and he's pretty much on his last leg you know in, in hospice i think and and so he was a he was a fixture in the barbershop. He's a retired guy. He would come in there and 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 talk and be a part of it. And so Charlie 
uh, I could tell that it's a blow to Charlie. I mean, it's yeah. not his dad; it's his partner's dad. But we, we just, I just listened to him and and could hear the pain and and the sadness. And uh, and then as as I left, I just gave him a hug and told him, I said, I love you. And he told me he loved me. And it it just it's that common ground of human suffering. Yeah, you know, I mean. I don't care who you are when you have a loved one who's on the verge of dying or maybe yourself. If somebody has got months or weeks to live, uh, that everybody has had that in their life in some form or fashion, either a loved one, uh, typically a loved one, and they and and it, it's a it's painful. Mm-hmm. And so to just be able to f- find that common ground, reach out and just say, I love you. And I'm glad I did. And, and, uh, it, I think it means a lot. And, um, so that's, I think we need to just have our antenna up, mm-hmm. you know, and listen, maybe sports is fine to talk about. I love talking about sports, but, uh, sometimes we need to ask some questions and, and see what's really happening with people. And, uh, and I've found that people are willing to share if you're willing to listen. Right. And, um, right. and so when we do listen and we hear their stories, and their stories in this case of pain and suffering, we can, we can meet them in that story. And so that's, that's just, just a small thing, but it was a big thing for me. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure Charlie appreciates yeah, having and, a friend. To and talk I appreciate to. him. I appreciate him uh, because he's he's a he's a good guy, and he's going through a tough time. He's going to lose a, a close friend uh, here pretty soon, I think. So, anyway, I appreciate you sharing your story. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's all about trying to find that common ground so that so that we can really be better human beings uh, by doing. S- finding the common ground and reaching out and then receiving that love and concern for others that we so desperately need. Yeah. So Luke, we've been talking about faith. Um, you, I told my story uh, kind of as a, about my foundation of faith and how my faith has been reordered. You talked about your faith and how it's been reordered. We talked about faith informing politics and had our good friend Bob Gorman on. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a delightful interview with, with Bob. And so we're going to I want to talk today about continue talking about faith. And, and you and I have a conversation about faith as ultimate concern. But before we get into that, okay, and, and, and unpack that, uh, and you and I talk about it, um, I, I, I want to come back to, to our own faith responses, mm-hmm. okay? Sure. Uh, if you've, you've heard that phrase, faith response, all right? Well, in our background, I think that that faith response is really conversion, uh, a point in time when we stepped into the good grace of God, good graces of God, conversion, mm-hmm. right? Sure. So let's talk, I want to talk a little bit about our conversion stories and go back to that. And then you and I have a little conversation about, about what that meant to us. 
but also maybe some of the things that we, the way we see that now, as opposed to the way we saw it then. So share with me a little bit about your conversion story. I know you mentioned yeah. being baptized in when, when you were sharing your story, but go back to that and unpack that a little bit more and, and your age and how you were feeling, your motivation and so forth. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I've mentioned that I attended a lot of Christian schools growing up, Worcester Christian School, then Kingsway, and then ultimately I graduated from Central Christian. Right, right. So I've always, in addition to being at church a lot, I've always been around the teachings of the gospel. I was seven years old. Over the summer, my neighbor was hosting a backyard Bible club. Okay. And it was there that we'd go and, you know, sing songs, do some... Uh, crafts or, you know, and then there'd be like a teaching in a, in a devotional. And it was very evangelical and it, it would end every day with a quiet time to close your eyes. And if you feel led to give your life to Christ, raise your hand and recite this prayer with us. And so one of those days of that week, I felt so led to do, okay. to do that. And you were seven, you said. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I was seven at the time. And, uh, and then from there, being in a Church of Christ denomination, um, I was then, my dad then baptized me that following Sunday. Um, so there was a few days there that my that my eternal salvation was in question, I guess, for between the theologians, but not for myself, I don't believe. Right. That was my conversion story, yeah. is, is that I had been around the gospel. The gospel made sense to me. Um, you know, we talk about the Beatitudes. Right. Um, e- even at seven... I understood that like what Jesus was offering was what I wanted to be about. Okay. And that, that's interesting to me uh, because I think, and I'll, I'll share my story here in just a minute, but as a seven-year-old little boy, you were touched, right? I mean, there were something was touched in, in deep inside of you to make you want to give that response. Right. 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 Absolutely. And yeah. so you were in tune to the touch of God at, at the age of seven, as, right. as I see it. Right. Now, just I want to back up a little bit on. I don't think that that Bible study or that Bible camp was led by somebody that from our background, the Churches of Christ, no. because they would have had to have a pool or something to baptize you in because right, right. salvation didn't take place the way we were taught in our denomination until the point of baptism. Right. So your dad, because I'm, I'm just, um, he, you know, you probably came home. I'm just at, you know, I, I, I'm this is just guessing on my part, but I would think you would, you obviously came home and told your dad that you, right. what you had done, right. Yep. That you accepted yep. Jesus. Yep. And they were so happy that, you know, anything would, would get us to Sunday. Yeah, you know, they, they weren't so worried about and and they. I don't remember my parents ever making that a huge deal. Again, that was more more the church. And looking back at it, it is something that I wanted for sure. But it's also the path that was kind of placed in front of me. Yeah, because if you think about a seven year old child, all right, trying to understand first of all a loving God but also a God who expects you to make a response to him. Right. Okay. Right. Then that response, if you don't make it, there's consequences to that response because there's two destinations. Right. Right. 
that's that has to be a lot of pressure right and the people who are sharing that with the kids unfortunately tend to push pull, uh, to put more pressure on sometimes not always I don't want to I don't want to be uh, you know hypercritical here but I think that it's because and I think maybe out of a care, caring concern for the kids it's not that they're trying to manipulate the kids is they do care for the kids sure. and they do believe right that right. those that if a child at age seven hasn't quote accepted Jesus as his per, as their personal savior and they get to that point where they know right from wrong right now you're verging mm-hmm. what if something happens mm-hmm. so the folks who are sharing that with the kids I believe that most of the time, at least back in the day, all right, things may have changed, I think some. But back in the day, I think that they they were doing that out of the right kind of motivation. Sure. And but the, I do think from the kids perspective, that can be pressure. I'll go ahead and say this. I've come to see conversion not as a one time event, but ongoing. Mm. I'm still being converted Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, it's this is not, and we'll talk more about this when we get to talk about ultimate concern and its tie to salvation. But I'm still being converted, right, right. And by that I mean my mind is being changed on on good. Th- I mean, in a good way. Sure. I'm coming to see things that I uh, more clearly than I ever have. Right. Being renewed. Being renewed. It, it is that renewing of the mind. I, I'm glad you uh, said that word because it is a renewing of the mind. That's conversion in my mind. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and what's the scripture where the, the guy says, you know, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Yeah. You know, that, that's an element of conversion. Right. Is that there's more here to be converted. Help me with that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, so we'll come back to, to uh, your ongoing conversion here in yeah. just a minute. Yeah. But I'll tell you about my sure. initial conversion in terms of uh, a faith response at a young age, at okay. that point where of salvation that... Uh, I believed at the time. Okay. As I said, we were you and I were brought up the same denomination. We've said that over and over again uh, because I think it's kind of cool that we were. That's right. Um, in our denomination, the point of salvation was baptism. Okay, they used some scripture to say that if you, yeah, you. You, you well, it was always that thing with the Baptist kids. They said, "Well, when did you accept Jesus as your personal Savior?" I'm like, <laughs> "Well, I was baptized when I was twelve, and I couldn't understand that." And right, then, right. then we in our group in our church, if somebody from the Baptist church who had been baptized, okay, because in the Baptist church, they would make a decision for Christ, and then yeah. they would have a public declaration of their faith through baptism. Right. All right. Right. But if they wanted to uh, become a member of the Church of Christ, we would study with them to show them that they were baptized for the wrong reason. (laughs) I know it sounds crazy, but that was that was that was the truth. Sure. Sure. You know, so and 
most of your Anabaptist adult uh, churches that are practiced, Anabaptist, Anabaptist simply means adult baptism. Um, most of your churches that practice adult baptism believe that that is a either the point of salvation or a public declaration of your faith okay and obviously there's groups that still practice or that practice infant baptism but in my in our group we practice adult baptism but really it was a baptism when a kid got to the point where they called where they said they reached the age of accountability okay mm-hmm in other words, they know right from wrong. Right. Okay. They're yeah. old enough to know right from wrong. Mm-hmm. Just kind of a side note. I'm still trying to figure out right from wrong. Are you? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So you reach that age of accountability. And then in our age, in our church, at least the, the church I grew up in, it was kind of 12 was kind of the age of accountability. I don't know. It's, it's really arbitrary, but, mm-hmm. you know, you, you have to kind of put a, a number on it. So 12 was that number. Well, I turned 12, say, I think it was either a Wednesday or a Thursday. And my mom came up to me and, and, and well-intended and um, and and you know we I've talked about my mom and how much I love her and what a woman of faith she is, and she just said, "Butch, you've reached the age of accountability. You need to think about being baptized." And I was kind of like you. I was a sensitive little boy. Mm-hmm. I I thought about God. I I had I you know it was something that I wanted to do. My mom didn't force me to do it. Right. It was something I wanted to do. So that Sunday, within days after I had turned twelve, I went for. Forward, and that's what we would call it in our church, going forward. Yep. Yeah. Uh, an invitation song was sang, and, mm-hmm. and I went forward, and yeah, I was baptized. Call. And uh, I think J.B. Hudson was the name of the preacher that baptized me, and, and he was a good man. And so I became a Christian, if you will. That was my initiation yeah. uh, at age 12. Uh, and But, you know— we were a little bit lax in our teaching on grace. Uh, we, here's another way we differed from the Baptists. The Baptists believed in, in what people would say, once saved, always saved. Oh, yeah, I've heard that phrase. Internal security. Mm-hmm. So once you give your life to Christ, you're, you're, you're eternally secure. There's nothing going to say. And that, there's scriptures that support that. Nothing will separate you from the love of God. But... It was always the the argument would be, well, what if they, well, uh, what if they become a terrible person after they accept Jesus? Well, they probably were never they saved never in the really first accept, place. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. They had their ways of getting around it. Well, right. in, in our group, we didn't believe in eternal salvation. So that means that there's a point where you could step it, step off and and you're no longer saved so that means your destination is no longer heaven okay, okay. okay. there was a certain there was certainly a uh, 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 two destinations were taught back in those days right. you're either right. going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell right and so as a little boy i came up out of the waters of baptism feeling like i'm right with god but you know as little boys do you don't always do everything right Right. Maybe have a few bad thoughts here and there. And I remember playing Little League Baseball and 
having some thoughts, and I don't even know what the thoughts were about, but I felt like I had to pray to ask God for forgiveness before I, you know, could even go on. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things that I just was in that that time of it was almost I was almost it was almost neurotic, right. Right. Or if I got caught between prayers and not ask God for forgiveness, you know, who knows where I stand with God? Right. So you can imagine, right. you know, being 12 years old and, and feeling that. Mm-hmm. It, it, mm-hmm. It, it, it can be a little bit traumatic. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And then I got to a point where in high school, I remember I was a, I was a kid that, that did everything right. And uh, except when I was a sophomore on the track team, we we went to El Paso, and of course, Juarez, Mexico is right across the border. Well, the whole track team ended up sneaking out of the hotel and going over to Juarez, nice. Mexico. Yeah. And I didn't. So I was getting all the pats on the back and, and from the teachers and everybody, the next track mate other than me and two guys, uh, we called them the cuates. They were, uh, that's... that's twin for uh in spanish and we they didn't go to what is and, and i didn't go and they didn't get kicked off and i didn't get kicked off for the next week yeah and so you know i've I, but i felt i felt good that i didn't go but i felt like i was i was not a part sure so it wasn't about a year later that i succumbed to temptation and uh you know pretty much ended up doing what everybody else was doing and um and that that caused some some turmoil. I, yeah. Truthfully, during that period of my life, I thought that I was hell bound. Sure, sure, I really did. Right. And I thought it's it's just too hard to live this life. And if I can't live this life, I might as well live it up. And right. so that that. Uh, and then we would in our group we would go forward to be restored. Okay, mm-hmm. that was a restoring of our salvation is really what it was, sure. and restoring fellowship right. with right. The, with the church. So I I probably went forward uh, more times than most folks. <laughs> Again, I was sensitive. Sure, I was sensitive to to the God stuff, right? And still am to this day. I mean, it yeah. goes back to when I was a kid, and and I've always had it in me. Um, so. And then, you know, I finally settled down, met my wife, and then uh, I was working at, at a CPA firm in Lubbock. And I listened to Christian radio. Uh, I had about a 20-minute commute, listened to Christian radio. And it, at 8 o'clock in the morning, a guy named Charles Stanley, you, a lot of people know Andy. Well, Charles is Andy's uh, dad. I know the voice, yeah. Yeah, First Baptist Church in Atlanta. And he was talking about grace a lot. And uh, I think his, his ministry is even called Grace to You or something like that. Okay. And I just... I was like, wow, this is awesome. I mean, I, and, you know, being a Baptist guy, he, 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 he emphasized grace and, and obviously internal security and so forth. So I was just, I was taken by his teaching and I'm thankful for it. And, and sure. um, then there was a guy that worked at the CPA firm that I worked at, Johnny Hill, lived in Ropesville. He was a youth minister of a little Baptist church out there. And um, he, he, uh, he was on fire for Jesus. I'll just say it that way. I mean, this guy was on fire for Jesus, and I was, and I had a desire to. I just, I wanted to be on fire for Jesus, like Johnny. Yeah. And uh, so I, 
I, I, I spent a lot of time with Johnny, and he, Johnny lived very modestly. He was not caught up into, he was wanted to be a CPA because he need he had to support his family, and he, and he was a bivocational guy, and he, he didn't want to, he didn't really want to be on the church's payroll. So I, I admired Johnny, and and he just talked about Jesus all the time. Yeah, and so we had a lot of conversations, and then it just it. I don't know why, but I just felt that I needed another response, another faith response. Okay. And so I asked Johnny, even though I'd been baptized when I was 12, I asked Johnny if he would baptize me. Oh, okay. All right. Now, here's, here's, I was leading the college ministry of a pretty large Church of Christ in Lubbock, Texas. And Johnny asked me, he says, well, why do you not, why don't you want to do it in front of the church? Because it's a public declaration. Mm-hmm. And that's what yeah. he believed. Right, we, I talked about it just a minute ago. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Well. What are you hiding? How, how could I get up in a church that believes that the point of salvation is when you're baptized and be baptized again and I'm leading the college ministry? So. I I explained that to Johnny. He had a tough time understanding it, right, but he accepted right. yeah. it. And so we went to a client. Art Griffin was the client. I asked Art. I said, Art, I can I use? He had a swimming pool in his backyard, and I said, I want to be baptized again. And Art said, Oh, that's yeah. You can go use my back. So we at, over lunch. I brought my swimming trunks that day. Yeah. And over lunch, Johnny Hill and I went to Art Griffin's backyard, and Johnny baptized me again. Nice. Yeah. So that's my second baptism. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But you know, I. I And I hope I didn't come across as cynical what I was talking about that, because both of those responses mean something to me. Sure. Absolutely. They mean something to me. So I I, I don't both of them. I I think back on on being baptized by J.B. Hudson in that in the baptistry at Pecos Church of Christ and and being uh, that little kid who's responding to Jesus. That's meaningful to me. But right. also that baptism in Art Griffin's backyard is meaningful to me as well. I know it sounds it may sound strange, but both of them have mean have meaning. It's part of my it's part of my Absolutely. story. Yeah. It is part of my story. Right. Yeah. T- tell me a little bit more. I mean, you baptized when you're seven. Yeah. Uh, and tell me, I mean, are you only been baptized one time? No, I, I've actually been baptized twice. Okay. Um, in, in fact, after leaving the Church of Christ denomination after my father passed away, I was surprised that other churches had different views on baptism, Butch. <laughs> that, was, that was a shocker <laughs> because I was coming yeah. out of a, of a group that said, th- this is the actual way to think about these things. Right. And so I figured all the Protestants thought the same. Right. Um, but no, my family ended up attending a church that part of their membership required that you be baptized in front of their congregation as part of church membership. Okay. And that, that was a big stickler for me because this was only maybe a year and a half after my dad had passed away. And, you know, he's the one that had baptized me. And also coming out of a church that kind of spoke, this is the way it is and it's right. And, you know, so I, again, I thought I had the right scorecard. Right. You know, right. And so I actually pushed back with the pastor, the lead, the lead pastor in the meeting. And I, I just said, look, like, is there any way to be a member here 
but not be baptized because it, it's what my dad and I did and it feels like it will cheapen it. I don't want to do this. Right. Yeah. And the the response was, you know, this is a this is an act of obedience, you know, and think of it more as showing that you're willing to be a part of this congregation, not so much a sign of salvation. Yeah. And you know, so I just that's one of those cases where I just said, all right, and I'm, I went with the flow to make a baptism joke. I just went with the flow. Yeah. Um, because I could see that there wasn't anything going to change. Right. You know, it, my family was going to become members regardless of what Luke thought. And were you, what, about 13 or or so at that it's time? Been about, yeah, 12, 13. 12 or 13. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So it had been about five years between the time you were baptized the first time and the time you were baptized again. Right. Yeah. Right. And then I would say that I've been baptized quite a few times since then, but never, never again with water. Yeah. If that makes sense. Well, yes, it makes sense because that's that ongoing conversion. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Right. So I've been baptized by by fire, fire, but there's a bunch of other elements too. I I think we just say fire and water, but it, it seems like there's more. I understand that. And for me, a lot of my, a lot of my conversion story is based upon a lot of folks and a lot of my teachers just saying, make your faith your own, make your faith your own. And so I started to just question a lot based upon my life experiences and what I was, was supposed to be feeling being saved, yeah. what I was supposed to have, what I was supposed to possess, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't lining up. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's where I felt that I truly had to take a step away and, and, and figure out, you know, okay, if everyone's telling me to make my faith my own and everyone's saying that David should have never put on King Saul's armor when he went into the, the, the camp of the Israelite army before, yeah. right before he killed Goliath. Right. You know, there's all these examples of you've got to figure this out for yourself. Right. And well, so, Butch, that's, that's, really, that's really where a lot of my salvation moments after that have been chosen baptism, if that makes sense, yeah. because I've chosen, I want to walk through this. I want to experience this for myself. Well, it's a passage. Yeah. It's a passage. Yeah. And if you look at if you look at scripture, there are so many things that and now the stories may be a little bit concerning. I get a little bit concerned when I hear the story of of Abraham having to sacrifice uh, being told by God to sacrifice Isaac. That's a crazy story when you sit down and it, it, it step really by is. step. It's it crazy. really is. But it was a it was a passage. It was a rite of passage for Abraham. That test, if you will. Mm-hmm. We can argue about you know the harshness or the of, of it, but we'll set that aside. But it was it, it's a picture of, of a passage. It's 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 the children of Israel going through the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. Right. It's circumcision. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's it's baptism. It's a rite of passage. And I think when you say when you use baptism metaphorically, okay, th- those are times that we're passing through. We're we're moving. It's a, it's a picture of a faith that is not static. Right. It's it's an ev- it's always evolving children of Israel, their relationship with Yahweh, always evolving. Right. Right? Yeah, changing. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, everybody has their, uh, and I think that's that's what we can say about these, about baptism and other things. It, it's really, 
it's really a an initiation mm. into uh, a passage. We're moving from one place to another. Okay. Okay. And I think it's also uh, from a communal standpoint. It's a it's public. Yeah, right. the the people that are observing are are able to say they are along with us. You know, a, the the great cloud of witness, if you will, are we're we're moving forward together. Right. So I think right. there's value in those initiation rituals. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I think where we miss it is our view of salvation. And okay. what salvation is, we I think we we being uh, Christians and going back to uh, our history, we've allowed salvation to be more of a what's going to happen to us when we pass away, right? Yeah, as opposed to salvation that has come to earth. And that sal- and salvation as it as it is happening now. Right, right. Does that make sense? Yes, because my conversion story is definitely woven around the statement of escape the pending doom, escape right. the pending judgment. Right. Get your name written in the book of life. Yeah. And so when when the focus is on, let's just say it the way it is. The focus is on going to heaven and avoiding the other place hell then everything then that becomes our primary driver then you hear things like oh is uh i met luke martin the other day and then somebody said well do you know if luke's saved or not right right it's luke well i know luke is a good person and i i think uh, he, he does a lot for people well yeah but is he saved Right. Usually then it's like, well, what church does he go to? Yeah. So so that so it becomes problematic. Right. And now the focus becomes on have they said the magic words? Have they done the required ritual? Mm-hmm. And if they did the required ritual, did they do it in the right way? Right. Because right. if they didn't, maybe they're not saved. Right. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. I had a, I've mentioned several times that, um, well, a couple of times on this podcast about being on board of Habitat. And I'll never forget, I, I told, I had a, a friend as an evangelical pastor here in town, and and I um, I said, I'm going to go on the board of Habitat. And, and Habitat was, had, you know, mostly mainline denomination folks that were on the board and, okay. and more liberal uh, denominations. And everybody, that was kind of a common knowledge. And um, I don't know where it is now, but that was back uh, 20 years ago. Sure. And I'll never forget the pastor said, do they preach the gospel over there? And I'm like, I, I mean, I, I was taken back by that. And one, one, one side of me wanted to defend it. Yeah. And then one side of me was still kind of, well, maybe that I, you know. But as I look back on that, I'm like, yes, they preach the gospel. They just don't use words. Right. They don't right. lay tracks in the houses after they leave. Right. Viewing salvation as something that is going to take place in the future. Right. Right. As opposed to 
something that takes place now and over and over again. Right. One of the things that we say quite often is, I mean, I can say this, that this way I'd illustrate it. I can say Donna saved my life. Okay. How so? Because if I would have not married her, the path that I was on, I was I was dating another girl and, and that she would not have been good for me. And I can almost okay. imagine the path that I would have been on. So in a way, salvation came to me mm-hmm. when I married, when I met Donna and I married her. And she's right. been that kind of person for me. Right. So those are those salvation moments and say, well, what does that have to do with God? Well, I think it has everything to do with God because God's interested in every aspect of our lives. Right. 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 I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think that we that we need to I I think it would be helpful if we can see conversion as ongoing. Mm -hmm. It's not a one time thing. Right. And salvation is ongoing. Right. It, it goes back to I think as humans we we challenge we we have a challenge between the balance of being and doing, you know, and it's it's tough to understand where where me as myself exists and then where's the line of what I do out in the in the world, right? And and yeah, in in those conversions, it's not so much what's been done. You know, I think growing up, a part of one assignment they would give us in youth group would be to write down your testimony write down your conversion story. Yeah. And I always felt bad because mine was so vanilla. Yeah. You know? Like there was nothing to contrast. <laughs> you, you, was... you, you mentioned that. I mean, kids that were brought up in the church and that, oh, yeah. that, that just, and, and they don't have that dramatic conversion. Right. Business, but I think they yeah. always felt bad because oh, they yeah. didn't have this fabulous conversion story or this testimony. Right. In fact, guys like me were tempted to throw in a random drug addiction <laughs> or, you know, like a, a drunk driving arrest or something to, at least like <laughs> yeah. say like here's the lowest I've been. Right, right. You know? Yeah, I've heard uh, that before. You know, I even felt that myself, you know. Right. Right. Uh, you know, people get up and, and share their testimony and and yeah, and you're like, whoa, mine doesn't measure up to that one at all. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of what we do, like in our profession, it's it's out in the world and getting those certifications, checking the boxes. Right. And and it's an action that is that is saving you. Here's your paycheck, you know, saving you from from whatever it may be. You're moving on to the next thing with yeah. your hopes and dreams. And really, I think we, we forget that this conversion that I, what I see Jesus talking about a lot is. It's an internal conversion. Absolutely. It's not an action. It's a change of your state of being, which then influences those actions. You know, and, and I think that's where I, that's the part of making my faith my own is what I had to figure out is, okay, I've seen actions modeled for me very well. I mean, these stories just for both of us just ooze great role models as right. we tell these stories. Yeah. I've seen impressive actions. But making my faith my own, identifying my own salvation is truly, though, that internal conversion of allowing my state of being to transform. uh, Yeah, it's well said. And that's ongoing, isn't it? Every day. Every day. It's ongoing. So we, we use the word phrase ultimate concern, faith as ultimate concern. And really... What we're talking about, the tie, the the connection between ultimate concern and salvation is simply this. 
as human beings, we're concerned, most concerned, our ultimate concern is about survival. How, what are we going to, how are we going to eat? How are we going to clothe ourselves? What shelter will we have? Then those are the basic needs. But then the, as you've mentioned before, wants and needs. But now our wants come into play that we think are necessary for survival. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful that as human beings, we've evolved to the point that we have houses that have air conditioning and control uh, and and heat controlled climate, if you will, that we have cars that will get us to a point quicker that I can go see my mom in Texas in a matter of hours, be there on on a plane. I'm thankful for the advancements, but it still comes back to our survival, does it not? It absolutely does, yeah. So this ultimate concern is about our survival. How are we going to survive? And which really is tied to to, uh, salvation from this standpoint. If, if we're always concerned about our survival, then in many ways we're going to miss, if that becomes our, our if that remains our ultimate concern, mm-hmm. survival, we're going to miss what God has in store for us. Right. Okay. Right. And what he has in store for us is to be able to die to ourselves to be able to have that true self be more prominent in our lives than the ego driven false self which right. is all about survival right okay right and that's the battle mm-hmm. that's the ongoing battle that you just talked about that's the battle that that requires conversion every single day right so that i don't put my wants and needs above other people exactly because the greatest thing i can do is to lay down my life for a friend those are the things jesus talked about right right and it's it's not an easy thing no no it requires this effort this work i think that reminds me of what paul said where he said work out your salvation with fear and trembling mm-hmm. because we know who we are right we know that we're capable what we're capable of doing and we know that this survival instinct that we have can push us in the wrong direction mm-hmm. so we're continuing to fight this and so when we look to jesus and you know the author and perfecter of our faith we see someone who when he saw the multitudes he had compassion on them in the Sermon on the Mount, we mentioned it uh, in a pod, previous podcast. He said, if somebody wants you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Right. Somebody wants your coat, go ahead and take your shirt off and give that to them as well. Mm-hmm. There's no greater love than laying down your life for a friend. I mentioned that previously. I mean, all of these things that we see uh, Jesus... And ultimately, Jesus died. Right. He gave up his right to survive. Right. And for us to follow his path, that's the path we have to take. Mm-hmm. 
it's easy for us to say, thank you, Jesus, for salvation. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving of my sins. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm going to see you someday in heaven. But to do the things that he did and to live the self-sacrificing life that he did and that he calls us to do is work. And it requires work. And I, 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 don't, I'm, I end up falling short on that. And that's the reason I, I need that continual conversion of my heart and my mind so that I can be able to live the way he lived so that I don't. I'm not the one that's going to cast the first stone when somebody is brought before me. Oh, look at that person. They said, oh, do you know they're that? Oh, I heard they're, I heard they're this way. Right. 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 Jesus said, no, if, you, if you're without sin, you, you can pick up the stone and be the first one to cast it. Mm-hmm. But I, I want that in my life. Right. I want that in my life, but I think that that too often we've made we've made Jesus kind of the genie who we rub the belly and we ask for forgiveness and he gives it to us and someday we're going to be in a, a better place called heaven and we're going to be escape this place where whereas that takes our focus off the here and now I think right when we see people in need okay a cup of cold water is bringing salvation to them. It's seeing a need and feeling a need. And that right there is opens us up to be on common ground. When we see people, and as Jesus saw them, have compassion on them. When a barber needs a hug because he's on the verge of losing somebody to hug them and tell them you love them. It's when you're in a meeting with people who come from different backgrounds and the atmosphere is tense and you say, I'm the most selfish person that I know and everybody laughs, but it's a confessional. It's a confession that's being made that everybody hears and really they may not say it, but they're saying it in their minds. Yes, we are too. And now you're on common ground. It's not about making sure that somebody has checked the box and have they been baptized? Have they said the sinner's prayer? Have they been confirmed? Have they gone to catechism? It's not that. It's taking a cup of cold water, living the gospel, and not necessarily preaching the gospel. And then maybe if more of us, starting with me, Luke, others that are living this life, and there are many that are, then maybe this world becomes a better place and heaven comes to earth.